Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Rob Thrasher with Spotlight on Success. Our sponsor here is uh, LifeAtHomes.com. If you get a chance, that's um, not only a really cool company, up-and-coming company that's now offering franchises. We're hopefully going to have some exciting news about that this week, either tomorrow or first thing next week. We'll see how that goes, but um, they are offering franchises, LifeAtHomes.com. And really, basically, what this company is, it's a kind of an alternate to the older-fashioned MLS systems all over the the country, and what they do is they open it up. It's an open listing is what they call it, open source listing, or words to that effect. And um, so it opens it up to, like, FISBO for sale by owners and um, kind of uh, builders can kind of put, you know, potential properties in there, and it's just kind of more open than the old-style MLS. And not for nothing, but the business plan is brilliant. And um, I talked about it with David Lisi here a, a while ago on the show, Awesome business plan. If you're looking to, to maybe get into the franchising and you want to be in the kind of the newspaper slash magazine slash real estate industry, this would be a, a good place to go to check it out, lifeandhomes.com. Once again, this is Rob Thrasher. This is our Spotlight on Success, and we're looking at our military tribute series, which is what we're doing here. Um, so just so happens that I'm a member of some clubs on Facebook, and I meet particular types of former military people. One of those is Nuclear, former nuclear people, people who were in the nuclear power field. Um, and once again, we want to send a shout-out to all the military. Thanks for all that you do. And we have a kind of an interesting twist today, as I guess one way to say it. <laughs> we have a guy who uh, was in the nuclear power field for, uh, you know, in the Navy for a decade or whatever, in a couple of decades in nuclear power. And he's now a comedian, if you can believe that, like a nuke-turned-comedian. And <laughs> it's a cool story. And again, it's our military tribute. Thanks for thanks for your service, Stephen, and, and everybody. This is Stephen Natarelli, otherwise known as Steve, the nuclear guy. How you doing, hey, Steve? Thanks, thanks, Rob. It's, uh, it's great to be here with you. We got. Um, we're going to start out. What we do usually, we do like past, present, and future. We try to dig into what made somebody into the kind of business person or entrepreneur that they are, and. And I also want to mention that, you know, uh, entrepreneurship is a multifaceted thing, and, and there's a lot of people, book authors, um, comedians, actors, perspiring actors and models and all these people, they have to be self-promoters and entrepreneurial first and foremost um, because as talented as you might be at what you do, you got if you can't market it, marketing is, is just getting the word out. If you can't get the word out and you're not a self-promoter, then uh, it doesn't matter uh, how good you are at what you do is what it comes down to. So, Steve, we, we talked a little bit about um, the fact that you were a Navy nuke. Can you tell me what can you tell me about your uh, your nuke days, your Navy days? Uh, my nuke days. Well, uh, it's uh, like ancient history. Um, 1977. I had uh, uh, been out of high school for a few years, and I uh, I knew I needed to go back to school, and I wanted. I was living in Rochester, New York, where I grew up, and I uh, I definitely wanted to get out of town and. Uh, Swore I'd never go back there, and uh, you know that's where I am now. So, but uh, uh, I walked into recruiters and I said, uh, "If you can, if I can be home for Christmas, I'll sign up today." It was in uh, in November and it was snowing, and uh, I left three days after Christmas in 1977, and I went obviously, as you said, in the nuclear uh, power field, and uh, went to. New Power School in Orlando, and then uh, up to uh, Saratoga Springs for 
a prototype, and I spent four years in San Diego, which was uh, which was very very nice. And um, aboard a submarine, a fast tag submarine, and um, then I went back to Saratoga to be an instructor. And then I finished up uh, my last year in uh, Norfolk aboard another submarine. I I do tell people not to take a swipe at um, the the beautiful city of Norfolk. <laughs> that the uh, best um, the best part of my year in Norfolk was the first first six months I was out to sea on a submarine. So, um, uh, but um, then I I I finished my tour after nine years and. Went back to Rochester. I didn't have a job lined up, and um, there's a, a power plant just outside of Rochester. Ended up getting a job there, and uh, 20 years later, I was still there and itching to do something else. I had always kind of dreamed about being a comic. Uh, I remember going as a kid, that uh, going to shows and thinking this would really be a great way to um, to live. And but I tell people life got in the way, and you know, 20, 30 years. Later, uh, you know, all that time is down the river, as they say, or under the bridge, and um, I hadn't done anything about it. And uh, 2002, I saw an article in the paper for an open mic, and I said, you know, I'm going to go. I've been hooked ever since. It's a great feeling to, to hear that immediate response from, from the audience, uh, provided you're funny, of course. You know, I haven't really looked back. 2007, uh, I walked away from my, my job at the power plant, and I've been basically a full-time comic since then. I tour the country. It's a dream come true. It had to be difficult, to say the least, to get to get up there and put yourself out there the first time you did it. What did you have to, I mean, how did you work up the courage to get that done? Because I imagine after that it was kind of maybe not all downhill. I mean, it's still hard. you got to write. you got to write your material and, you know, again, yourself promoting yourself, getting yourself out there in front of the mic. How hard was it to get up there your first time? Was that the hardest the first, part of the whole thing? The first time was was fairly easy because I had I was doing a lot of material that was familiar to me because I had been doing it uh, basically at work and um, you know around friends and family for years. So uh, that was fairly easy, and um, I had a good show, which made made it easier. But uh, that doesn't mean that they were all good after that. And uh, you kind of grow with that, and you learn what works and what doesn't, and um, and you put together an act. And uh, you write; you do have to write all, all your own material, so that's a constant, uh, a constant thing. And as you said, you have to; you, you really learn to promote yourself. You really get, have to be a, a self promoter uh, online, websites. Getting the word out there to uh, different um, uh, bookers and uh, clubs, and uh, just promoting yourself. You just, you know, I can do this, and, and sending information out. And, and, uh, uh, but it, it's, I, I still get butterflies even after all this time. And as soon as I hear the first jerk, uh, joke out of my mouth, then then they they kind of go away. But I think I, I, some pro. Something that I'll probably always have is, is those initial butterflies uh, right before I go on stage. Right. Do you think that um, I know I know a lot of people who I've interviewed. I've interviewed a lot of former nukes and former um, crypto techs as well in the Navy. Do you think that in some way going through the experience of nuclear power school, being on a submarine, do you think in some way that 
how did that either help you or not help you? Was that something that because I know it's 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 a different field. It's not like somebody goes to work, you know, nine to five, and you know the training is intense, and as well as the sub training and just being on the sub. Do you think in any way that kind of helped mold you into? It, it, into it definitely did help um, because uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I I've written about this a few times that that you experience that. Um, this is your life video will place right before your eyes, just like people say it does. And after the fact, when when it's happening, you're just reacting, and because your training is so intense, you react to the situation without almost without thinking, like a machine. And after the fact, when the adrenaline's kind of uh, wearing away, that you realize that you know, gee, I almost died, and and. The way to deal with that stress is, is uh, a lot of times is a gallows humor, and you laugh at the fact that you know you came that close, and um, and you deal with the stress that way. Right. And uh, I think that helped shape a lot of uh, my humor. And then when I uh, went back to Saratoga to uh, be an instructor, I taught in the classroom for a year, and I really enjoyed being in front of the class. I had a captive audience. No doubt, but uh, a good part of that uh, um, time was to relate to the students why they needed to know what I was teaching them, and you do that through see stories and uh, uh, and whatever to uh, to make them understand why they have to to learn what you're there to teach them. And uh, but I do tell people that. Um, the, these stories aren't the good stories. The fun stuff happened on land. So, uh, but we'll, <laughs> this is a PG show, so we won't talk about this. <laughs> hey, thank you much. For, thank you kindly for that. Uh, that little bit of self-censorship there is, is helpful. <laughs> so, uh, kind of threw me off on that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and that happens a lot. Actually, I hear a lot, a lot of. It's it's kind of cool because the more I people I interview, the more I find like things that seem like they're simple or things that don't seem like they're technically part of the education process are things that help people the most. And and I just think back to, I think it was um, Laura with the fifteen second pitch I interviewed a little while ago. She said that one of the things that helped her the most in kind of honing her business into this. Again, it's kind of like an elevator pitch concept. She does 15-second pitch. And, and and she said that one of the things that helped her the most was something that most people might strip out of an educational process, and that was the theater uh, league that she was in. She was in a theater class. And, and so, like you say, being in front of the students, just like being in front of groups of people is very, very critical, I think, as a learning tool for, for life in general, but especially if you're going to be somebody who goes on stage who does business proposals, who talks in front of groups for any reason at all, and most business people do speaking engagements. And, and a lot of them tell me that the thing that really kind of led them down the path was the one or two or ten times that they got up in front of a group of people, whether it's classmates, um, other classmates, or like in your case, you know, people who whose very career rides on what you're about to tell them, but to step back and just kind of be you know, instead of being the teacher, just be the, the kind of life guidance thing 
um, is really important. And, and so I think that's kind of that's cool that you said that because I see a lot of that, that resounding, well, that one time I got up in front of the group or I was so afraid to do the play and I did it anyway, and then I realized that I wasn't going to die while I was up there. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, they, the public speaking courses tell people, you know, it's, it's, uh, some people are more afraid of dying than they are talking in front of a group. And public yeah. speaking courses tell their students to imagine the audience sitting in their underwear. I'm glad comedy clubs are dark. I don't want to imagine what some of my audiences look like. <laughs> well, at least it's in the dark. You can imagine they're all really, really good looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that maybe is helpful in, in a way. Yeah. Or you can imagine they're not even there. I mean, I, I know when I used to do a lot of uh, TV interviews, I would just just imagine I was really just imagine I was talking one on one with the person who's there, and not that it was going to go out to. I don't know. I'd like to say millions, but it's more like thousands of people because <laughs> in upstate New York. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I kind of imagine it a lot. Go ahead. Wally. I rehearse at home uh, on my garage, and uh, my dogs probably know my act as good as I do. And uh, <laughs> so when I get on stage, it's um, it's it's me and my dogs. And, uh, right. So bring them with you. <laughs> they're 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 pretty big. <laughs> they're probably tired of hearing it. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably are. They probably are. Um. So I wanted to step back real quick and just talk a little more, touch a little bit more on on the Navy thing. What is it okay. like? Can you even put into words what it's like to like basically live on a submarine? I know it's hard. You're away from family and friends and loved ones. But what about just the experience? What is it like basically living uh, on well, a, under it, the ocean? It's um, obviously you, you never really know whether it's day or night um, above the water, and you don't know what the weather's like. Um, I right. tell people, you know, we would go to sea, and uh, by the time we got back to San Diego after six months, there was all new shows on TV. There was new uh-huh. songs on the radio. Life keeps going, and your life yeah. kind of is. You know, you're like a Rip Van Winkle there uh, when when you come work, back. Yeah. And um, uh, but when you're on board the the, the boat, um, I have people put their arms out the the either side and uh, turn around 360 degrees and say, you know, there was maybe one place on the boat that you could do that without touching something. And oh, if wow. you, and if you could do that. You couldn't put your hand straight above your head without touching something there, you know. Uh, so it was one or the other. It was always a tight fit, and um, so you have to deal with that. And uh, uh, you know, you just learn. You just learn to do it. And uh, people that don't don't last, I guess. So, wow, that's a long time to be anywhere. Really, think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, we would go to sea for six months, but we would pull in to uh, ports overseas. So you did get some time off the boat. It was, you know, we were young and crazy, and it was like being shot out of a cannon because you had money in your pocket and you didn't coop up. And so, right. And you, where, where did we go? We ran for a dark, crowded bar instead of going for fresh air. Right. So, 
That's you right there. There you go. Eh, be young, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot what that's like, being young, so we won't even go there. They say they eat pretty well in the submarines. Is that true? <laughs> uh, yeah, we probably did. We probably ate better. Uh, at least that's what they always told us, that we ate better. Um, you know, <laughs> probably times that we went argued with that. But um, uh, that we did eat better than some of the other um, other branches or even some some other ships in the service. But we didn't get anything fresh. Uh, All right. You know, because we weren't getting supplied while we're out there. We had to load up and take everything that we uh, that we were going to bring with us, and that was all we were going to get until we pulled in somewhere. Um, I do remember times when they weren't serving hot food because uh, they didn't want to run in the dishwasher because it would make noise. And, right. uh, yeah, so... That was uh, some interesting times, and can't really talk about some of those even to this day. But uh, you know, I'm glad I went through those experiences. You don't always like them when right. you're doing it, but you look back now, and 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 uh, you learned a lot from them. You made a lot of good friends, uh, friends that I have to this day, and um, it's. Uh, I encourage everybody that I can to, you know, spend some time there and spend some time in the service. You don't have to make a career of it, but it'll definitely shape your your life so, more than people realize. Right. Now, now one of the things I'm actually I'm just going to take a minute and um, do a couple of couple of mentions here. I just wanted to remind everybody if you get a chance, visit lifeandhomes.com. It's uh, kind of a new generation uh, real estate magazine. It's definitely a new business plan that if you look into it, if you're somebody that does franchising and you look into it, um, you will like the business plan if you see it. It's a no-brainer at that point. kind of thing that sells itself, lifeandhomes.com. If you get a chance, everybody also visit, visit cybervillage.com. I have a network of social networking websites called Cyber Village. I post a lot of the articles and uh, um, transcriptions and stuff from the radio show over there. And Steve, do you want to do you want to give uh, any shout outs to websites, appearances, stuff like that? Uh, yes. If uh, people go to uh, uh, myspace.com/slash Steve the Nuclear Guy, my uh, uh, schedule for upcoming gigs is posted there. Um, the next big show I have coming up is uh, May 12th in uh, St. Ignace, uh, Michigan, at the Ketowan uh, Casino. And then the uh, following day we'll be in Sault Ste. Marie. And then May 15th, uh, two shows at the uh, uh, Potawatomi Bingo Casino in Milwaukee, an 8 o'clock show and a 10 o'clock show. And the rest of my uh, schedule's there. Um, the 24th I'll be at Zaney's in Chicago. And uh, But they can check my website, uh, myspace.com slash Guy for uh, upcoming occurrence uh, information. A lot of times when I talk to people who who are in, whether it's business or like I say, it kind of harkens back to being a self-promoter, that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, there's usually some kind of influence in their either their, you know, uh, well they were growing up, or there's something like, you know, uh, somebody owned their own business, or some type of influence that kind of. And I don't know that it necessarily 
because it doesn't go like, like somebody might have been a business person and then the next generation, you know, is doing speeches or, or doing acting. It's kind of a creative process that I think more so than being influenced, it kind of gets passed down. Uh, do you have anybody who's influenced you in the past or, or people who you've looked at and kind of learned from or anything like that? Um, well, I would say my grandfather, um, uh, he was a business owner. He was active in uh, local politics uh, in the Rochester suburbs. And um, he was never hesitant to speak his mind. And um, <laughs> and I, I think that's it. You don't always realize it when you're growing up what kind of influence that they have on you. But looking back, I think that that was, if, you know, being asked that question right now, looking back, I would have to say that my grandfather was uh, a very big influence. And, um, and he had he had a, a, a sense of humor that, you know, maybe I didn't appreciate when I was, younger because they didn't under, always understand it. But, you know, looking back now, um, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. And I, I do a whole bit about um, growing up in an Italian family and uh, talk yeah. about my grandparents. And uh, um, so I would say that, they, you know, he definitely helped shape uh, shape where, where I'm coming from now. So tell, tell us a little more about... Um about your routine or, or kind of what's going on these days in your life. How, how's um, You're uh, full-time now on the, the traveling, the, the comedic uh, traveling, and um, I know you, you attended some workshops and stuff like that. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, uh, sure. I um, When I first started, I, uh, I took a, a class um, at uh, Comics Cafe, which is now uh, defunct, but um, in a uh, true two comics, uh, professional comics uh, that are from Rochester, uh, Mike Danber and Ralph Petta, and um, uh, they've both become very good friends of mine and uh, kind of mentors to this to this business for me, and uh, I've learned a lot from them, but they, they help to develop how to write material and teach me some of the, the business side of the business and how to promote myself and... Uh, and, and that that type of thing, and then you just got to get out there and do it. You got to look for every opportunity to get on stage that you can, every open mic uh, possible, and then you got to be willing to get in the car and start driving some miles so that you can get on stage and start being in front of different audiences. Because if you are in front of the same audience all the time and they learn your jokes, then you know, they laugh at them maybe two or three times, and then they know what the punchline is. So it's not a surprise anymore. And, and right. so you have, to, you have to stretch yourself. You have to go out there where you don't know anybody. Because when you go on the road, that's the situation you're going to be in. So you have to be willing to get out there and, and, and test your material in front of uh, uh, audiences that you're not familiar with. And, and and learn how to do that and learn how to relate to them. Uh, I myself I I really enjoy these, these shows I got have coming up. They're all casino shows and uh, you know that's really nice. You're you're being 
put up in a really great place and all that. But I really enjoy the small towns. I live in a small town right now, farming community, and I love going to the small towns um, where they may have limited entertainment um, uh, choices. And so they come out for that monthly comedy show, and they're really excited about it. And I, I, I can relate to those people because, you know, I live in that same kind of town. And, and yeah, you'll poke fun at the fact that it's a small town, and, and everybody laughs, they know, but it, it's a way of uh, relating to them also. And right. um, it, I, I think that's really nice. Um, I find it interesting that you almost have to, when you were when you were explaining that, I was thinking to myself, gee, there's a whole new layer of kind of kind of management of like material because if you were to go, say, you did a, a circuit around say the Northeast and you ended up in the same city a second time, you have to, or even worse yet, a third or fourth or fifth time, you have to get to a point where, where you you have it written down what material you used in, in that in that city last time or the time before that. It almost comes down to like a management process where you have to remember who you talked to, what you said, and and, and not only that, what you got if you got a reaction out of it or not. Was it funny? So maybe you that's, used. That's true. That's true. And uh, what a lot of places will do is is they'll try to rotate the people through that they bring through so that you're not there more than uh, once every six months at the max. So that people say don't say, well, you know, we just heard this guy, you know, right. we've seen his act. They they want to um, uh, stretch you out a little bit so that that when they bring you back, people don't necessarily remember your whole act. You can't rewrite a whole act every six months. It's uh, it, right. there's a lot more to it than that. So um, they want to keep it fresh, so they won't take you you know around like that. So so you're not coming right back next month or whatever. And, right, yeah, uh, you don't want to hit them too many times in too, too short a mm-hmm. time frame. That, that yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about your, uh, like, you're working on a DVD now, expecting criticality at any time? That's a, a nuke reference? <laughs> oh, that is a nuke reference. That's correct. <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> caught that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people don't always catch that, but um, the, the people in the nuclear business will catch that. And uh, <laughs> um, it's kind of uh, my way of, uh, you know, uh, raising a glass of beer to uh, my buddies that are still in the business, and um, uh, which is a big part of my act. I do talk about that and uh, uh, about spending some time in that business uh, in my act. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that being released. Uh, hopefully, um, sometime this year. Uh, I was looking. I was. We thought we were going to get it out last year, but um, uh, that didn't happen. So we're we're hoping to get it out this year. And um, uh, if anyone's familiar with the um, nuclear business, the uh, the cover of the DVD is uh, uh, a picture of myself um, photoshopped floating in a uh, uh, reactor refueling cavity. Um, uh, in uh, I I'm. Pretty happy with that. I think it's a pretty good way to promote the uh, the album. And uh, so uh, that's where that is. There's a glowing reactor underneath me, <laughs> and uh, I have a floating chair that I I have a floating chair that I put in the lake um, right on Lake Ontario in uh, 
um, we had like a five or six foot cliff um, looking down into the water. And I had my wife take a picture of me uh, in the floating chair with, uh, uh, while I was holding the beer, and then I had it photoshopped onto a picture of a reactive cavity. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Not everybody that's people that aren't in the nuclear business might not understand all of it, but um, they'll get the gist of it. If they watch Homer Simpson, they'll get the gist of it, I guess. So, uh, so for those of us who who are geeks, which I include myself in that, um, and for the kind of people that have no clue what what your title means on that, why don't you go ahead and explain, give us a uh, how are you uh, tell us about what criticality means? <laughs> <laughs> well, criticality is uh, when the reactor is self-sustaining. When you're doing a reactor startup, um, you have when you're you're looking at all your indications. Uh, they tell you every time you move control rods to expect it to be, go critical anytime you move those so that when it does, you're ready for it because you don't want to, you don't want to, um, raise power past that point because then, then you have a problem controlling it. So, uh, you have to expect it to happen each and every time that you, uh, move them move the uh, controls until um, it actually is self-sustaining uh, um, itself with uh, uh, fission. And um, so they, they drill that into you, expect it at any time. So, um, and uh, is relating to my act, well, you know, expect the, uh, the, the act to be critical at any time. It's, it's, um, liable to go crazy. So uh um I, I got an incoming call and I'm not gonna take it obviously. <laughs> well we'll listen in. Go ahead, take it. No No, 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 no. My wife's listening too. I mean, you know, you never know if it's my girlfriend, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be careful about that. It's a, so so the whole so criticality is something that sounds bad but in reality it's good because it's at the point where if you didn't touch anything else the thing keeps going basically, right? Yes. And it was just um, uh, uh, stay at 100 percent power and uh, yeah. and, and, and be fine. So now, when um, did you say that's coming out? Um, hopefully, sometime towards the end of this year. Uh, okay, uh, we'll watch for that. I, I don't have an exact um, an exact date for you, but hopefully yeah, because you're on the road um, and you got a lot of things going on. So who knows? Exactly. We'll keep an eye on exactly. I'm hoping that that it's out. Um, you know, maybe uh, for next year's um, uh, Christmas stocking stuffers would be uh, uh, a great uh, a great time for it to come out. And, um, Some of the coolest stories are really, if you cover it when they start, kind of a thing. And so I always like to talk to people about, like, well, when you started your business, did you work out of your house, out of your garage, out of your whatever? And basically right now you're working on the road, though, so that's, Kind of not a pertinent question to you, right? I, I'm working on the road, but when I'm home, I'm I'm always uh, I'm either writing material or I'm on my computer trying to book work. So you know, yeah, I am working out of my house um, and in my car, and <laughs> sometimes sleeping in my car and uh, and on the road. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's in uh, it's in everywhere. Uh, Almost 24/7 type type of deal, and uh, which is good though because that's real life. You know, real life is um, 
that some of the funniest stuff and and the stuff that really happens is the funniest stuff. It's it's always funnier than some of the stuff I can make up. That's for sure. The stuff that's that's really happened. And then you, you just twist it a little bit, you know, and you got you got some funny stuff to talk about. Just gotta keep your eyes and ears open all the time. Yeah. Constantly taking it in and, and getting it yeah. down on paper and practicing it and re kinda of going over it and over and over and then and then when you do from show to show you kinda of can hone it as you go, kinda of evolve it as you go from show to show. Yes. Uh, do you do that or do you kinda of stick to the same exact word? Well you just stick to the same outline at least, but you know, depending on what your audience is, um um myself, I find it easier to talk to people that are a little bit closer to my age. Um, I'm not right. hip to a lot of the, the pop culture, and um, I talk a lot about life experience stuff. So if I'm talking in front of a room full of college kids sometimes, they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Their parents would be <laughs> laughing, but they're looking at me like, you know, what are you talking about? And, and, um, and I, I've even written jokes that poke fun at that fact. And uh, uh, so uh, if I can go a little bit off of the PG uh, uh, section now since we're not uh, live, is that one of the things is that I ask uh, if there's people in the room that, that are empty nesters now or their kids away at college or whatever. Right. And uh, it, always, it will almost always be the, the, the husband will say yes. And uh, and I'll have to ask, you know, is this your wife's, you know, lady sitting next to him? You know, yes, it is. Okay, because the question's for her. And I asked her, you know, when your kids moved out, did you at least think about, she's all embarrassed, everyone's laughing. And But the reason I asked that is because the college kids, and I explain it, I see the college kids, they still are a little bit uneasy thinking about someone their parents' age doing that. And... Yeah. Yeah. I, and, well, and the question for them is, is how do they know they weren't conceived? Uh, <laughs> you know, and then they're at a loss for words. They don't know, you know. And uh, um, so, you know, and and uh, the, I talk about my divorce, and and uh, uh, they haven't been through, um, you know. And so they're looking at me. They don't relate to it. Uh, the divorced people in the room, the married guys in the room. You know, they're screaming amen and making it sound like a church service. And, um, but the college kids are looking at me like, you know, what are you talking about? And uh, <laughs> as far as pop, pop culture, I talk about um, TV shows. I have a Joe Friday reference in my sh uh, show. And, and, you know, I say they don't even have, they don't have a clue who I'm talking about. Uh, all I can tell them is to look it up on TV land, you know. And, uh, but their parents know. And their parents are laughing at it at the reference because they get it. And um, so it's interesting. It, it, it makes it fun, and it's a way to relate to some of the younger kids that might be in the audience because, you you you, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the big elephant in the room that, you know, I'm, I'm as old as their parents and um, uh, point it out, don't deny it, there because there it is. And, um, you know, <laughs> get it out on the table. Yeah, get right out there, you know. And, uh, and, and it usually works. It usually works. So, um, so it's always fun. I was just searching online to, to 
just tell people if they could search, you know, like Steve the Nuclear Guy or whatever. And I actually got a result in Facebook. Oh, great! Actually, well, this, well, this is this is a the twist on it. There's actually a guy named Steve Nuke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, so shout out to Steve Nuke from New. It looks like he's from New York City. We just found you by accident, Steve Nuke. But, All right. So just to make sure we reiterate, you're Steve the Nuclear Guy, not That's Steve Nuke who's on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am on Facebook also, but and uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. So everybody find him on Facebook. And how did you? What was the other way you said to find you? It was uh, um, uh, MySpace.com/slash/SteveTheNuclearGuy. That's got my most current schedule, uh, current schedule on on there, and uh, also on Facebook.com/slash/SteveTheNuclearGuy. All one word, and um, uh, schedules, blogs. Um, photos, uh, lots of information. Lots of information. All right, well, Steve, the nuclear guy, thanks for uh, coming on the show. It was a good show. Thank you for your service uh, in the submarine service, and um, thanks for everything. Thanks for coming, everybody. Go look up Steve, the nuclear guy. Find out when he's coming to a, a town near you. Maybe he'll be coming to the central New York area. There's a big casino, small town, big casino. It's perfect for you, right? Right around the I corner. would love it. I would love it. I've been trying to get in there for a while. It's only two hours from my house to go to. Uh, yeah. Uh, probably to get there. Into. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but thanks for having me, Rob. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. All right. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. I just want to uh, remind everybody real quick to visit lifeandhomes.com. What I call it, I don't think they call themselves this, but I like to make my own names up for things. It's kind of a new generation. A real estate marketing company, uh, lifeandhomes.com. And also don't forget to come to uh, one of the numerous cyber villages that I have, cybervillage.com. Thanks for coming, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.